Well, good morning, everyone. So glad to have all of you. And let me just say, if it's your first time joining us, we are so glad to have you with us as well, because we've been talking for the past three weeks about what do you do when you find yourself in the waiting seasons of life? And, and we all know what that feels like, don't we? Because see, all of us are kind of there right now with COVID. And as much as we dislike seasons of waiting, unfortunately, we all personally experience them from time to time in our life. In fact, some of you, you're not only experiencing COVID, but you're also experiencing a challenging personal waiting season right now as well. And what is true for all of us, regardless of whatever your waiting season is that you find yourself in, it always feels like that you're wasting time when you really stop and think about it, doesn't it? And you know what that does is that creates a lot of frustration and why some of you feel so exhausted right now. And to be honest, it often can create a lot of resentment and even anger and sometimes even bitterness toward God. Because see, if you're a Christ follower, there's this real sense in which you feel like you're waiting on God. After all, he could fix all of this if he wanted to. He could answer our prayers and give us what we wanted, but he isn't right now. So oftentimes when that happens, you feel forgotten by him and you feel like he's ignoring you. In fact, I've had so many conversations with people over these past few months who, because of all the unknowns in this season of waiting, they've told me that they are feeling depressed and discouraged. And many have said that you're struggling with losing hope. See, waiting seasons, especially long ones, can often cloud out one of the most important things that we need in our life, and it's this thing called hope. And while we may know, as what we talked about last week, that God is our source of hope in seasons of waiting, it is so easy for us to lose that focus in our life because, as we've said in each week in this conversation, waiting, it causes us to feel like that our future is being deferred. See, whenever hope feels like it's being deferred to a later time or deferred to never happening, it is so easy to take our focus off of God and to lose hope. In fact, Solomon, who was the wisest man who lived, said it this way about our need for hope. He said, hope deferred, don't miss this next part. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Or as another person said it, they said hope is as essential to your life as air and water. You need hope to cope. See, we need hope to cope when we're in a season of waiting because our family or our marriage is disintegrating. Or we need hope to cope whenever we're in a season of waiting because a loved one has unexpectedly found out that they have cancer or some other kind of illness that is life-threatening. Or we need hope to cope when we're in a season of waiting because we need a job. Or we need hope when we're in a season of waiting because our finances have gotten all messed up and there doesn't seem to be an answer. We need hope to cope. So here's the thing. If you've ever felt disappointed or discouraged or hopeless, the good news is that God understands what you're feeling more than you might think. He knows how important it is for you to have hope. In fact, during Jesus' early ministry, he had many defining moment conversations with people. And in each of those conversations, what Jesus did is he helped the persons involved discover hope again for their lives. 
In fact, one of my favorite conversations about discovering hope, it takes place in Luke chapter 24 between Jesus and two men who really felt like that Jesus had let them down. Now it takes place, don't miss this, it takes place on the third day after the crucifixion. But there's no joy for these guys on this day. Their world has caved in around them. They had put their hope in Jesus and now Jesus was gone. These guys were feeling disappointment, they were feeling doubt, they were feeling disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, and despair. They are feeling hopeless. But unbeknown to them, Jesus was alive and their hope was much closer than they could have ever imagined. In fact, look at what happened beginning in verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, which would be about a two hour walk. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other. Now, this next line that we're about to read here, it is so important to notice. It's so critical. Notice what happens. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, we don't know if they were kept from recognizing him because that was some kind of supernatural thing that caused them not to recognize Jesus or because they were just so disappointed and therefore so discouraged that they couldn't recognize who Jesus was. Because here's what we know. Whenever we're disappointed or discouraged because of a person or, or because of God, we feel like that God has let us down, it is really hard to see anything good in that person or with God at that moment in time in our life because disappointment oftentimes creates disillusionment and it quickly changes what we see and the way that we see life. In fact, the next verse, verse 17, is where this conversation with Jesus begins. And understand, they don't even recognize that Jesus is with them. But notice what happens next. Jesus asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. It's kind of like they just stop in their tracks and they look at Jesus with this look of, really? Do you not understand how bad things are right now in this moment? And here's the thing. I don't want you to miss this. They stop and they look directly at Jesus without seeing him, without recognizing him. And notice the question that they ask him. This is so incredible. One of them named Cleophas, ask him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know things that have happened there in these days? Like, are you really out of that, out of touch? And it's like Jesus says, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But then something happened. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And then this next line, the next line that's going to come up next, we have all felt it. 
Some of us have said it. Some of us have thought it. But we have all felt it in seasons of waiting when we were discouraged and disillusioned. Notice these next words. But we had hoped. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice what they hoped. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to come through for us. I mean, think about this. In their minds, he's the one that's going to redeem Israel for them. Because the week before, there were people that were shouting, Hosanna, and they're saying, welcome Jesus to Jerusalem, waving palm branches as he rides into the city. We had all hoped. That was our hope, that he was going to redeem Israel. But we don't expect that now. Because they crucified him. We once did, but we don't now. We had high hope for our future, but now all those hopes are gone. And all we have is disappointment. In fact, there's no reason for us to be in Jerusalem anymore, so we're going home. I mean, think about how much effort it took to be a follower of Jesus from two hours away. These guys were that committed that they were willing to walk two hours to be in the presence and around Jesus. That's how much hope they had in Jesus. And now they're telling Jesus, we have no hope because our hope was crucified. And all of us... (laughs) We know exactly how they feel. I mean, for each of us, what what might cause our feeling of being let down, it, it might be different, but it would be really rare, especially in this season, to find a person who would claim that they've not been affected by disappointment or doubt or disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, or even despair. See, we say it a little bit more like this, but we had hoped that God would heal her. But we had hoped that God would change our spouse's heart and turn their heart toward home. Or or we had hoped that God would get our child back on the right track. Or we had hoped that God would have kept the report from coming back as cancer. But we had hoped. We've all been there in this season, haven't we? In fact, notice the next line of verse 21. And what is more, not only did we hope, but what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Literally, Jesus has been dead three days. There is no hope. We are on our way back home. We're leaving Jerusalem. We're done because there's no hope. And even worse than that, they're saying, we think some of the women have really got confused about this. In fact, look at verse 22. It says, in addition, some of our women, they amazed us. They they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find the body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions, they went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but him they did not see. Have we all been there? We all had hoped, but then God did not come through. 
And then some well-meaning person comes along and they tell us, hey, it's all good. God's got it under control and, and God is up to something great. And, and we haven't seen any evidence. They, they might even claim they've seen some evidence, but we haven't seen any evidence. And instead of their enthusiasm helping us, it frustrates us even more. And we don't use the word, oh, we were amazed by them. No, we use the word, oh, that is so frustrating or it makes us so angry because they're not helping our situation. But I want you to pause there for just a moment and think about this because there's something important that we miss if we just listen in on the conversation of the two disciples. See, the most incredible thing is that you have two people telling Jesus, don't miss this, they're telling Jesus how disappointed they are in him. Don't miss that. You got two people telling Jesus how disappointed they are in him. The very one they thought was dead is walking with them, having a conversation with them. And, and I can only imagine how hard it was for Jesus to contain himself in this. But he just listened and he just let them vent. Can, can you imagine that? Let me just even pause something and say this to you. Jesus is okay with you venting to him in this season that you're in. Jesus is okay with you venting to him about how you feel that he's let you down. He can handle it. He will walk with you and he will talk with you and he'll take it all in and he'll be okay. And then when the moment is right, when there's a right pause in the conversation, you know what Jesus does? He reveals this life-changing truth. In fact, look at the next verse with me, verse 25. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. He's saying literally God had a plan and you're really slow to believe that plan. Did not, he goes and lays out the plan, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then he begins to lay out God's plan or reminding them of God's plan. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scripture concerning concerning himself. Don't miss this. Jesus is pointing them back to the, the fact that God had a plan, to the fact that the death of Jesus was all of God's great plan to redeeming the world, that God's plan was so much more than just redeeming Israel. In fact, God is pointing them back to the fact that what they had in their minds that Jesus needed to do to redeem Israel was not God's plan to redeem Israel. And that is what is so true so many times in our lives when we get disappointed with God. We feel let down with God. We feel disillusioned with God. We feel heartsick and even hopeless because in our minds, we have the plan for how God should come through and redeem our situation when all the time God has a completely different and even a grander plan. It's not even a plan about us. It's a plan about us and the whole world. And it's in this part of the conversation that Jesus is having with these two men that we learn a truth about seasons of waiting, that when you and I, we grasp it, what happens is it breathes hope back into your life again. In fact, you might want to write this down. When hope gets deferred, 
It's our perspective of what should be that gets shattered. Don't miss this. When hope gets deferred, it is our perspective of what should be that gets shattered, not God's plan. See, you don't want to miss this. What we had hoped God would do to redeem our personal world is often not what God's plan is. And here's what happens. When our plan for God to redeem our world and God's plan to redeem the world does not line up, what happens is, is our perspective, it gets shattered. Our perspective gets shattered, but not God's plan. See, in those moments when your understanding of life is shattered, don't miss this. God has not let you down. God is right there with you, right there walking beside you. But so often, if you're like me, you can't see it. Because what we had hoped would be the redemptive solution is not how God has planned to redeem the situation. And when we become so disappointed in God, what happens is it almost becomes impossible for us to see that he is right there beside us, walking with us. Because hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. But he is, just as he was with the two men on the road to Emmaus. Now, Here's why this is so important for us. During our greatest disappointments, we need to understand that God is actually revealing part of his plan that we could not see when things were going according to our plan. See, it's during these times that God is shifting our perspective for our plan to redeeming our world to his plan for redeeming the world. And what happens is, is God uses these times to do that because it's during these times that he has our attention the most. In fact, notice what happens next in verse 28. As they approached the village which they, to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And don't miss this next part. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. And don't miss this. And he broke it. And he began to give it to them. All of a sudden, everything that Jesus had been telling them came together and they saw God's plan as God had shared it to them through Jesus. Then, when they saw the grander plan, then their eyes were open. When they embraced the grander plan of God, then their eyes were open and they recognized him. Listen, every one of us, we've experienced the road to Emmaus in our life. And the reason is because oftentimes we have our plan and we can't see God's plan. See, Emmaus, it's the waiting period where you feel the worst and you question God and you question all those people around you. And sometimes you even question yourself. 
Emmaus is when your hope gets deferred and it makes the heart sick. And Emmaus is walking and waiting. It's the season of life where God seems to have let you down the most and you can't see him in your life because hope deferred makes your heart so sick and filled with so much discouragement and disillusionment that you can't see God's grander plan. But even on the road to Emmaus, what this conversation is teaching us is that God is with you. You don't have to walk through life or face or make critical decisions in life alone. God is walking with you. God's plan is still intact. But most of us are tempted to think when we're going through a season of Emmaus, if God is with me, then my circumstances, they would be so different. No, no, no. This conversation reminds us that's not necessarily true because while your understanding of life has been shattered, God's plan to redeem the world, it is still intact. See, Jesus is showing us through this conversation that God is still working to accomplish something so much bigger than you can ever imagine. And you can be sure wherever you are, God is with you. You just may be so heartsick, you can't see him in the moment. And because of that, during times of disappointment and disillusionment, you have a choice to make. See, you can make your decisions for life based on the external circumstances. And what will happen is if you don't see God as evident at work fulfilling your plan, what will happen is you'll get more discouraged and more heart sick. And if you're not careful, you'll end up with a chip on your shoulder or carrying some slice of cynicism with you, which will cause you to isolate yourself from God and from others. Or you can make your decisions for life based upon the promise, the fact that God is with you no matter what you're going through and the decisions and the outcome of your life, it will be so different if you make that choice. In fact, if you choose to make your decisions for life based upon God's promises, I'm telling you, it will cause you to lean into God, not away from God. In fact, the only reason Jesus was able to reveal himself to the men on the road to Emmaus is because they decided that they were going to lean in and have a conversation and that's the decision that you have to make about what, how you're going to deal with your discouragement and maybe your disillusionment. You have to decide that you aren't going to isolate yourself. Instead, you're going to seek out relationships that can help you get a true view of Jesus. Because here's the truth. Jesus is with you on your road to Emmaus. And he doesn't want to remain hidden in your life. He wants you to see him for who he is and what he is doing. And sometimes that takes shattering our perspective of life so that we can see his grander plan. It's just like in that moment when Jesus broke that bread, in that moment these guys were being able to see their plan was broken and that God had a grander plan. See, it's through our brokenness that God can open our eyes to see that grander plan. So today, our challenge to you is to have the conversation with God. 
And for some of you, that, that means you need to invite him in for a conversation just like these two guys did who were on the road to Emmaus to talk about your disappointment with him, to come before him broken and say, God, I'm so disappointed and I'm so disillusioned. I'm broken because it's in our brokenness that we can see God's grander plan. For others of you, you, you just need to stop and, and take some of the focus off of what you've lost. See, because God's plan is so much bigger than our view and our understanding of life. And so many times we feel like we've lost things where God says, I've got something so much more for you than what you think you've lost. So we have to trust that he is with us when our view doesn't line up with his plan. So don't forget this. When hope gets deferred, it's our perspective of what should be that gets shattered, not God's plan. God has a plan. He is with you. Our challenge to you is lean in to him. Because when you do that, I promise you, what will happen is while you may become broken before him, and you release your plan in the process of that, God will reveal his grander plan and you'll experience hope. So let me pray for you as we close, but I don't want you to miss as we close this song that the band is about to sing. It's entitled Here Again. And, and this bridge is this great reminder that even when you can't see Jesus, he is right beside you. In fact, the bridge says, not for a minute, don't miss this. Not for even a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. Whatever place you're in today, the Lord is in the place that you are. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible promise that you are with us. I thank you that when our plans get shattered. <laughs> Your plan is still intact. And I thank you for the confidence. I, I thank you for the foundation that that makes for our life and establishes for our life. God, today, I just pray that you will help us to lean in. Lean in and have a conversation. Help us to come before you broken, saying, God, I'm discouraged. I'm filled with doubt. I'm, I'm filled with despair. I'm feeling hopeless. Because, God, it's in our honesty of being broken before you that you open our eyes and you help us to begin to see your grander plan. And it's in that process that hope gets restored. Help us to trust you enough today to have the honest conversation about where we're at so we can see you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, reflect on this song.